What's going on, ma'am fam? It's Richard. Do you find yourself looking at all the bourbon on the store shelves but don't know where to start or the differences? Do you enjoy bourbon but want to know more about the science, history, and the stories behind the label? Did you know that bourbon is a distinctive product in the United States? It can't be produced anywhere else in the world. And no, not all bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. I learned all of this listening to Bourbon Pursuit. If you think you like bourbon, get ready to love bourbon. Bourbon Pursuit is the official podcast of bourbon. The best source for all bourbon news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. There's three new episodes every week. You can learn the great next bourbon trends, the great bottles, the personalities behind your favorite brands, get all the juicy scoop on all things whiskey. Past guests have included CEOs, master distillers, and brand ambassadors from every major distillery, authors, bloggers, industry influencers, retailers, celebrities, and unique customers who hunt rare bourbons. Take your knowledge from being a bourbon novice to a bourbon baron. Wherever the good stuff is poured, Bourbon Pursuit is just a play button away. Join your host, Kenny Coleman, Ryan Cecil, and Fred Minnick on an epic bourbon adventure. Subscribe and follow Bourbon Pursuit wherever you get your podcast. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair I met the girl on the Mary one day But her mommy is yelling no Daddy has told her to go. Listen, young lady. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. So how'd you become such a hot shot actor? I'm a showman. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seat with the clearest view. Wow, 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 wow. And she's hooked to the silver screen. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. 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 Yeah, like sands. Like the ocean. Like Barbara Streisand? Sand? No, but stray sand. Sand. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. What's going on, man, fam? We are back in the lab talking PTA. Done a few PTAs on this before. I know we did Phantom Thread. We did. did we do Inherit Vice. I barely remember that episode itself. Yeah, we did. We did. And then we did, and then we've done the Master. Correct. We have not. I think we have that's not. On, That'll be throwback this year. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Later this year. yeah. So, uh, Kent and I are are big PTA fans. Brian's like a uh, he's not a hater by any means, but he's 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 dragging up the rear on PTA. So I'm excited for. Uh, the the discussion around this movie. Um, uh, we're also all three of us are big Haim fans, so this will be mm-hmm. this will be big on on a lot of fronts. I'm excited to talk about this. This has been anticipated on the show. We kind of didn't really know what this was. It was like a Wikipedia entry that's like, "Hey, PTA is making this movie with <laughs> Bradley Cooper and a Haim sister and Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid." And we're like, "All right, well, we'll check that out." And then we see the trailer, like, "Oh no, it's." It's exactly that, and it's a '70s movie, and all this, <laughs> and uh, and so we've been anticipating this one for a while. So, um, you know, love him or hate him, PTA is is one of the auteurs of his time, and so it's always interesting, at least, when he makes something because uh, he makes he makes really firm decisions that either work or don't work, and we will talk about that as we go. Um, but uh, in terms of I wanted to talk about a previous kind of what what has worked for you in his canon more than others. Uh, he's been going since the mid '90s with Hard Eight and Boogie Nights and Magnolia, and then all the way up through his kind of next phase of 
of uh, Punch Drunk Love and There Will Be Blood and The Master and all of this. So so he's someone that I think really changes, not necessarily film to film, but he, he has different eras. Um, all of them are are similar in, in, in some style, but they're kind of drastically different in terms of the edge to them. He can make something really sweet or something really, really cutting and all that. So Brian, I wanted to come to you first mm-hmm. and say in the past – I know you're not as you, you know you're not as big of a PTA guy, but I, I know you're not like a hater either. What has worked mm-hmm. for you in his canon, and what hasn't? Yeah, like for me, PTA is is somebody who, like, I'm super glad is out there making movies because he always like. There, I don't know that he's ever. I don't know that I've ever seen a movie of his that was like that wasn't good. Um, yeah, I really did not like Phantom Thread, but even that one was like that's probably my lowest of of all of his. Just didn't really get it but it was still exquisitely made like he makes incredible films and i really love pta the person which is it's just very interesting it's always weird to like discovering that he was a normal person was shocking and very odd to me and the paul dano effect yeah exactly exactly he just seems like somebody who um would never just show up to a basketball game he just is a just a super weirdo or something um but i really dig i dig what he does i dig his um, sort of thought on film, I guess, which is very uh, pretentious kind of thing to say. I just don't always look better the than man on film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't. Uh, I mean, you know, anyone listens to the show. I, I'm a Spielberg guy. I like to feel. Um, I, I, I am very basic. I like big and stupid and blockbustery, and and so a lot of his movies just don't quite hit for me. Now, what has worked for me? I mean, most of them, I would say. Richard, the best way I would put it is like, man, that for most of them, it's like that was a very good movie that I'm not going to watch again. Mm-hmm. That's usually how I feel walking out. I think Punch Drunk Love is probably my favorite of his movies, and I, that's also the one that maybe has the most feelings to it um, or attempts to to do so. For the most part, I end up feeling like I really liked a chunk of that and I really didn't care about another chunk of it. And and so the finished product is like, it's very, it's a very pretty well put together piece of art that I don't really connect with is usually kind of where I come. And he also is like, his style is not always narratively driven. Sometimes it is, but it's much more of like a collage of, Uh Uh of scenes, you know, and those scenes, like you said, Brian can, one back to back to another can be either very interesting and captivating mm-hmm. um or not i think his skill set obviously he's a he, I mean, the fact that he was his own dp on phantom thread is unbelievable sure um he's an unbelievable technician with the camera but i also think he's a uh, you know and it helps that he you know when you work with daniel day lewis and philip sumer hoffman and joaquin phoenix a lot right, right but he's a really great director of performance mm-hmm. um you know, I think his weakness, if one were to say, which is funny because he's like the front runner for the Oscar for this in this category, I would love to see him direct something he didn't write. Sure. Yeah. You know, something a little more story driven um, because I think he's just not interested in that. And that's a total credit to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be so fun to watch his eye for performance and eye for, you know, shot composition with like a super um, narrative based script that someone wrote. I just mm-hmm. wish he would do it once. I don't think he ever will. And he doesn't have to, he doesn't owe anyone that, but um, because I think Tarantino, you know, he's often compared to Tarantino because they're the two writers that came from that era, but you know, writer, directors of that era along with, you know, because Fincher doesn't really write and things like that. But like um, Tarantino is such an exquisite writer, mm-hmm. um, more of his st- strength. Right. And so in the, his performances, 
are like extensions of how great his writing is. Um, to to that's not a yeah. demerit. It's just yeah. a different type of sure. of like performance directing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like PTA is able to like draw something emotion emotionally out of actors without a whole lot there in the script. Not that it's bad writing, but it's like sometimes kind of like sparse, and he's mm-hmm. able to do that. So so Kent as as the someone as someone who's like um, uh, of the three of us the most. Um, someone who's actually directed things before and someone that's really interested in the technique of filmmaking. I know you're a big PTA guy. Um, I'd love to hear you speak of what in his past has worked for you on that level, but also in general, what, what do you see as his strength and weaknesses? Yeah, I certainly see his eye with the camera as his biggest strength. Mm. That's what I'm drawn to when a new PTA movie is announced. Paul Thomas Anderson is among my favorite filmmakers to, to be honest with you i know we haven't done a director's episode favorite directors which yeah. should be on the horizon here pretty soon but yeah. i'd be interested to see where Ooh, he, we bowl Ooh, we bowl Ooh, we bowl because <laughs> yeah, he spits yeah. hot fire get yeah. the letty uh, letters popping <laughs> the campaign's going but I, i'm really interested to see where he would fall on your list because it would be hard for me to put him not in my top 10 i don't know i mean he might fall somewhere near the top i don't know of modern filmmakers he's certainly he's certainly up there what i like about him is he doesn't make a movie unless he feels like he could add something to mm-hmm. the overall zeitgeist of cinema you know he's somebody who's extremely cognizant of the history of movies who is influenced by some really great directors you know he cites uh kubrick and martin scorsese and and uh and you know obviously Hitchcock and and Spielberg as influences but he's somebody who doesn't just make movies to get a check he doesn't uh, do things out of his own comfort zone he's an extremely selective person because he can be and i think the style and the restraint that he showed on Boogie Nights i mean I look back at that. The guy was like 25, 26 during that. Yeah, I, I still, to, to, to think somebody, you know, four to five years younger than me could make a movie that great. And, you know, honestly, it feels like something a 75 year old would have made. A director who's been making movies for 30 years is, or at least someone that lived through that experience. Yes. Is, is yeah. un- be able to work with, with actors like that and to have all of this, to say at such a young age is, is unbelievable. Uh, but I've actually been more drawn to him with his more recent movies. I think he's really fallen into a comfort zone. He knows what he's good at and what he's good at is shooting movies. I love his, his lens choices. I think are unbelievable. His movies just have an extreme clarity and a thought put into how they're shot. I mean, they look like paintings. They look like, you could tell he's got a photography background and that mm-hmm. he doesn't just uh, hire somebody and say, all right, here's the blocking and let's shoot it. It's it's really the attention to detail and what it looks like through the camera that what he pays attention to. And that's what I really enjoy about him. And uh, I mean, I think he's like, probably going to still make his best movies, I, th- I feel like. I feel like he's entering a, a great phase of his career an approachable phase of his career. I think licorice pizza is probably the most approachable film he's ever made, uh, despite mm. some controversial subject matter. 
but compared to maybe some of his other, maybe punch Rock love would be that, but it's still, I think aesthetically a, a lot harder of a sell than, than licorice pizza is. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I'm just super excited for the future of Paul Thomas Anderson, but I mean, he's only got a handful of movies and like I said, all of them have something to say and something to add to the conversation, which I really love. Yeah. I mean, he, he's someone that makes really deliberate choices and, uh, you know, in this movie, you can, you can, we can talk about a couple of them, but yeah, I think, you know, obviously his best movie, I don't think it's arguable is Valentine with Heim. Um, <laughs> no. um, yeah, I mean, this is someone that like directs Radiohead and Heim music videos who just like likes making stuff. Um, I love that about him. He's not, it's funny for all of his pretense as like a real artiste of the, of the um, auteur world, which he has absolute bona fides to support. He likes just kind of doing stuff all the time too on the side, um, which is, I always thought is really cool about him. Um, it's, fu- it's funny that his, his, what he creates has a lot of pretense to it often, but like, he, like Brian, to your point, he doesn't, he seems like a guy that would live like down the street from you. Right. Like, but he yeah. understands the world that he's absolutely he's making films in. And he's like, I can be a pretentious director and have pretentious yeah. films without being a pretentious a-hole. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's exactly. an amazing discovery and something so so refreshing. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. No, a great point, Ken. And, and I think, like, what's cool about him, too, and I, I, I love this about Tarantino, but, like, Tarantino has this, like, professorial thing where it's like, I know this about this. I'm going to explain it to you, not only in the movie, but then I'm going to do a press tour explaining <laughs> you how well I know this. Like I'm going to do director's commentary for six months around this. And I, by the way, not critiquing that at all. It's like very like I'm smarter than you. Oh, I love Listen it. to yeah. me. Yeah, me too. I love, I eat it up. I can listen to Tarantino talk all day. Um, and, and, and whereas I think Paul Thomas Anderson has that same expertise on the history of cinema and what he wants to do uh, with cinema and what different things mean, but like kind of lets the work speak for itself on some level or loves the ambiguity yeah, yeah. that it creates doesn't need to say, no, I chose that because of this, because David Carradine in 1974 <laughs> was on um, this talk show. And, you know, he doesn't have to do that. Um, and so it, it, it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition in that in that way, because there's a real intelligence there, but he doesn't, there's no commentary there's self-commentary on it. It's just like, he's always, I, he some stuff around this movie. And it's like, people would say things like, Obviously, you know, the William Holden stand in for, um, you know, Sean Penn's playing. That's a really interesting choice. Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, no, I'm glad you <laughs> glad you. And whereas Tarantino would be like, OK, William Holden. All right. OK. Yeah, he, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? And you're like, all right. <laughs> so I yeah. love I love that he is kind of quiet about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's extremely humble about about what he does. I mean, how many interviews have we seen in the past four years with him where they're like, Oh, you know, Daniel day Lewis retired. You know, what, what if, what if you made another movie with him? And every time he's asked the question, he's just like, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, I would love for him. <laughs> you know, it just takes it as if it's the first time he's ever heard the question yeah. and he's probably yeah. answered it 500 times since he made there will be blood, you know, about Daniel day Lewis and working with him. So, uh, I mean, just his approach, the way he carries himself, you're right. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, but when he does, there's one that was. And Phantom Thread is like an overt thing, by the way, of to that point where it's like, I think at least it's it's him 
taking a self-critical eye on what a really tedious artist puts people through. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like he is very calm and chill and seems like the bro next door, which I'm sure on some levels he is, but he's also a really exacting artist. And that what's cool to me about Phantom Thread, which I know Brian's not a big fan of and has its ups and downs, but like that, the cool thing about that movie is I think it's like a, like a mirror movie of him going like, I look, I know I'm a pain in the butt on a lot of stuff. And I think him pushing, you know, uh, Daniel Day Lewis into that was like a really, I think that was a really intense movie. And I, and I think a lot of his movies were about intense male, like geniuses, you know, there will be blood is this incredible capitalist genius, the master. It's about this, you know, uh, these two forces coming at each other. Even hair advice is kind of this, even though yeah. it's farcical is this, yeah, obviously Magnolia, that way too with Cruz's Magnolia. Yeah. Whereas this now is like, yet there's this character that's kind of, you know, really smart and cool and all that. that Cooper Hoffman's playing, but, but we're, the cool thing about this movie as we get into it is like, it's not really about that. It's about, other stuff and another character and all this other thing and all these crazy like you know genius male aggro things are like supporting Bradley Cooper uh Sean Penn's character etc the William Holden stand and all that but like it's really about this woman like trying to figure herself out um in her 20s and I like that I like that obvious decision that he made because I think he was kind of at least in my opinion I think I was kind of over him explaining, you know, exploring the um, difficult genius. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think it, it reminds me a little bit of like um, of Matt Weiner. The the it's not the last season of Matt on TNT. Yeah, the guy that fills in for Ernie. Uh-huh, yeah, All right, um, cool. All right, continue. Matt Weiner, yeah. former USC great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, was it yeah. about his hot tub that he had in his <laughs> dorm? Because that was pretty. That was legend. <laughs> I was very serious about football. Um, the yeah, now like it's it's Matt, isn't it? Matt Weiner? Is it? Am I? Yeah, or is it, yeah, yeah. the Madman guy. Yeah, Madman guy. Who? It's not the last season of Madman. I think it's the season before where he. I mean, he just straight up said he's like, I've been showing y'all what a garbage person Don Draper is. Which, by the way, Matt Matt Weiner's kind of a garbage person. So <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of that. But like his his thing was like, I've been showing y'all what a garbage person he is, and y'all just keep loving it so what i'm gonna do instead is i'm just gonna keep running it back so you like i'm really forcing you to look at what a bad person this is and okay you want more of this cool here it is don't you love this like he sucks he's a he's a bad person now i still was like yeah but he kind of i mean it's john hamler yeah exactly i mean that's you screwed up by casting exactly (laughs) exactly uh yes i i think you're right i think there's a definite uh this is me sort of uh, taking a hard look at torture genius, quote unquote, and the, the length to which society will go to, to allow for that. If the, you know, if the person is good at what they do um, and I'm hundred percent with you, I'm kind of tired of that. And I loved that. I, I mean, when we found out the casting on this and it's, and it's Alana, I, was I don't know if I was like well she's got to be like a supporting actress right like yeah. she's just gonna be in the movie not like she's the the feature of the film and the more well, you I see think the it needs to be like, said because not everyone's yeah exactly and for those who are not Hyam fans mm-hmm. the band first off what's wrong with you yeah I mean the best band going right now in my opinion <laughs> yeah pause this but also, and, and get back to this after <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Do yeah, a you have better things to do right <laughs> now <Deep dive. laughs> your time's better but spent like, there honestly 
she's a supporting character in that band. I mean, so just so everyone knows, if you're not a, whatever, like she's Danielle Hyam is the star of that band. I mean, that's just total. And so um, it was even if you're even if you are a fan of that band, it was jarring that she's going to lead this movie because she's the little sister that like plays keys on the side in that band, you know, or plays like a, a big drum or, or, you know, does the second solo on guitar. Like she's kind of the auxiliary musician in she's George Harrison. If you're going to compare them to the Beatles. And so sure. yeah. it's like, and I'm not yeah. musically, but they are great, but I'm just saying like, it's it. So it's even more jarring if you're a Haim yeah. fan than when you watch this trailer or whatever you go, Oh, oh wait, oh, wait, yeah. This movie about Alana. Totally. Awesome. I mean, I will say from my own perspective of somebody again the, the the one that's like less interested in pta the it went from my 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 anticipation level jumped up pretty significantly because it went from like oh cool a pta movie and uh it's 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 uh philip seymour hoffman's kid okay you know I, i'm interested to see that too like hold on is she the lead in this movie like <laughs> yeah and then you see okay the poster like that like, oh really yeah it's like that kind of that definitely yeah. for sure like that definitely changed the not just the anticipation level, but like, okay, then maybe this is something a little bit different in my head of what are we, what are we about to get here? Um, and I, yeah, d- wouldn't have seen that obviously. And I, come I love that he's ago. just like, again, back to the normalcy of him before we, and we need to get into the movie more, but like, he's also just like, yeah, I'm a big Heim fan. Like, I just like, yeah, <laughs> he asked them to work with them. It's so funny. I, I was, I was reading up. It's on, like exactly how we would all want to be right. Like whatever we're into, like, direct their stuff Richard I was I was googling before this I was like finding out why he decided to cast Alana in this and you know digging up some more on the Haim uh, PTA relationship and he said he heard like one of their first singles on the radio and then like wanted to work with them and, <laughs> and so he was like back when they had like an EP out in LA you know was was seeking them out this huge and I just come off at a best picture winner of there will be blood around this time, you know, and was seeking them out. And they thought it was kind of a joke the entire time and come, you know, fast forward to now he's done like 10 music videos for them. I don't yeah. know if you've listened to the uh, song exploder of, of summer girl, uh, yeah. high M song. You should listen to that. It's, it's wonderful. But Danielle's in talking about that and, how they just sent the demo to Paul Thomas Anderson. He's like, okay, cool. So we'll shoot a video for this uh, on Friday. <laughs> and like the song wasn't even fully complete yet. And he already had, was wanting to do another video for them. Yeah. Which must be it's an like awesome a, feeling as a band. Just have Paul Thomas Anderson at your, at your, it's so awesome. I mean, the only other band that has that is Radiohead. <laughs> the, yeah. the biggest band on earth, maybe. So that's an, an awesome thing that he just loves. I am. And just wants to, wants to help them out. That's so cool. It is so cool. And he, and the videos are all so great. I mean, they want you back the single track, um, shot down that street. Um, oh, now I'm in back it, it's is like iconic, a, man. The, the high M walk. Did you see the high M, uh, little high M there's like, there's like, there's a couple of Alana high M walks in this a little power. Absolutely. Walk you got to get a couple it. power walks in. Yeah. Um, the now I'm in it video is great. I mean, I'll, we talked about, if you want like a cool introduction to that, I just highly recommend Valentine, which is like a three song, him just filming them in the studio. And it's like just a, you know, a band kind of doing a few songs live in the studio, but it's PTA shooting it. So it's just like so luxe looking and beautiful. And like the lens, the lens choices down to like what sweaters they wear and everything. It just looks awesome. So it's in an old studio too. So it's got that seventies PTA aesthetic to it. It's really, 
Really nice. By each, you notice the reference to that Gary Valentine in mm-hmm. the uh, in the movie Licorice Pizza. I'm, I'm assuming he was named after uh, the Valentine Heim thing, but I don't know. So continue as we go as we go into this. I want to get into the movie specific. Now we set up our our bona fides, I suppose, with with uh, with PTA. Who I think I I love PTA too. So big big one of my favorite. Very probably my favorite. I like Phantom Thread a lot. I love the the Masters. One of my favorite movies of of that decade. It's it. He's awesome to me. I, I think he's he's so interesting. But okay, when we get into this movie specifically, it was funny as I, I was like halfway through this, and I was like, man, this is such a Brian movie. It's funny. It's a PTA movie, uh, mostly because you did you. I don't want to put you on the spot, but you did date a fifteen year old when you were twenty five, right? <laughs> no, the other way around. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Then it's fine. Very um, Brian. Then yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Joking, joking, joking. No, but this was like a very um, emotive, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of – I know you love a lot of the 70s kind of feel and look and all that stuff. It was a very and very. it's a very – other than some like a couple things we'll get into. Well, don't worry. We're going to get into the controversy. Um, but like it's a very happy, yeah. um, not a melancholy – I was just like, man, this might be Brian's like – this is such a bright. It's like his uh, dazed and confused, or yeah, or sure, it's it's sure. him doing a lot of different stuff. It's it. It's always like excited for you to see it because you know Ken and I are gonna like it for because we just like the director. We like his style. We we're high nuts. Like it's it's all that. But like I was excited for your point of view because mm-hmm. it was like your subject matter has some almost famous to it too. Yeah, hundred percent. There's definitely a little of that vibe to it. Um, Days and Confused. That was another one that I was. I was like, yeah, it's got a little, little of that. It's also just like a really funny movie, and yeah. that that's something that I know that he has a really good sense of humor. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't usually come through in the movies to me. Like some of the 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 funniest stuff in some of the the PTA movies is like situational humor, not yeah, um, dialogue and and stuff like that. But yeah, I th- I thought it was really funny. I'm like maybe I mean it stretches for sure. Like the funniest movie I've seen this year, and that, that was something I did not expect. But you're right too. Like it was it was very emotive. It it felt um it felt kind of joyous in a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of spaces. The the two leads are are great, and they're just like throwing. I mean just <laughs> just fireballs left and right. I mean Alana's just so good. I didn't. I mean. I love Haim. I I love. I just I I still kind of am surprised at how good she was in this movie, and that I mean that carries it through. So yes, I I was the first uh, the first third. I was super super into this, and like this is my favorite PTA movie by a mile. And uh, finally, other than I want you back. Yeah, exactly. Where, I mean Danielle's leather jacket and that. I mean yeah, you can't miss yeah. it. Back. Finally, twenty twenty one has delivered on one of these. You know, yeah. <laughs> just. And then it kind of lost me a little bit, kind of, yeah. kind of drifted. Uh, and then I, then it was kind of just a roller coaster for the rest. Like I was in and out based on the scene and the, and stuff like. It was, so it was, it was a very strange ride. But yes, your you, your thought was my exact thought as I was watching this. Was like this is way more of uh, something that's going to resonate with me than any probably of of his previous films. And and I'm not the PTA guy here, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny that the Alana performance. I want to go to Kent now. It yeah. Is is so good and so thorough through the movie and so consistent, and she's such a movie star in it in a weird mm-hmm. way, and in a, in, a, in a movie star in a way we don't see a lot. You know, she's like, 
<laughs> she's like a young Frances McDormand in this movie. It's just so weird. Like it's mm-hmm. it's out of nowhere. But but instantly at the beginning for the first little bit, I would say that that Cooper Hoffman is really stealing the show early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just is a really like. I know it's based on um, Tom Hanks' producing partner who kind of lived this weird life during this time and all that. But, like, um, he's 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 a real um, revelation. And what's funny is I obviously went into this with the knowledge of who he is. It's a very not Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. It's a really different, unique thing, which was really cool. I, mm-hmm. I love that. I, and I love this idea of, like, the latchkey kid in the seventies. That's like, like you were, I mean, this is obviously trumped up a bit and dramatized and stuff and is hilarious, you know, that he's like runs a PR company at 15 and all that. Mm-hmm. But like you were able to like during this time period, what what is true and real about it is the freedom of this time and the innocence of this time. Mm-hmm. Um, even with a lot of kind of shady stuff going around it, as we get to like, you know, a bunch of sketchy, every adult in this movie is kind of sketch, but like the idea that you could just like, <laughs> not just work at a waterbed place, but manage it at 50 <laughs> is, yeah. is a really funny, obviously extreme s- satirical piece, but, but, but effective. So Kent, um, what were your thoughts on kind of the intro into this world with this young, you know, the one thing I wish they, they talked about a little more is that it kind of starts on that road. I don't know if it was lost in editing or what, but he's kind of this aged child actor adjusting to life post being mm-hmm. a child actor. Yeah. I could have used that export a little more because I yeah, think that's same. always just really funny. Yeah. Um, Him but sitting in the audition room with all yeah. these like eight year olds and he looks like a freaking man child is, yeah. is was pretty funny. Yeah. Um but Ken, I want to what did what did you think as you kind of get dropped this this really drops you into this world. Um what, what what were your kind of initial thoughts as we start working your way through it? Yeah. My initial thoughts was I uh, mean, we're in, we're straight in, in PTA land. I loved this. Uh, he, just a little background on the, on the story. He says the idea of this came uh, like in the early 2000s and he saw a, like a middle school kid flirting with the photographer. And they said ever since then that he had this idea mm-hmm. in his brain of just that image <laughs> and it's it's just funny to see directors return to ideas years later and and he started talking to his producer friend Gary and Gary's like, Oh, I had a waterbed business and then I tried to open <laughs> up a pinball place, you know, and, and he's just yeah meets Hyam and then he has all the pieces he needs to make this movie. And something that I have said on the podcast before about great directors, and I think it's especially true with Paul Thomas Anderson is great directors can cast anyone and make them great in a movie. You know, they can cast people off the street. They can cast um, great actors and they can make them all blend. You know, we've seen it in recent years, especially with a film like Nomadland last year, winning best picture where you're blending real life people that Chloe knew and you're blending actors and, and you can make it work. And I think Paul is just attracted to the personality of Alana he said he really wanted a somebody who defined the San Fernando Valley and just a girl that really defined that that area has the attitude of that area and I think she certainly has the most personality of any of the girls in Haya maybe maybe Esty does but um I think Al- Alana probably has a a little bit more um sense of humor a little more I I mean it's just 
intriguing to me of all of the three sisters why Alana was the choice. Yeah. And, you know, he, uh, he. Alana had that great line. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. I, I love the Alana line, but she said, they asked her, has this process of going through becoming a, you know, an actor and movie star and all this stuff changed anything? She's like, in the band, she's like, absolutely not. Esty's still the boss. I'm still the younger sister's servant. And Danielle's still the weird, mysterious genius. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was such a funny younger sister thing to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just such a genuine film. You know, I feel yeah. like a lot of his movies, he has something to say artistically and a point he's trying to make, whether it's about, uh, you know, the industry at large or religion at large or whatever it is. This just feels like a, a guy having fun with his friends, making a movie yeah. and reminding it's, himself it is like of his, his friends and stuff. And mm-hmm. right. And it, it feels like once upon a time in Hollywood in that way, where it's just a yes. guy having fun, but to the point of Alana, I just think the combination of, of her personality and Paul Thomas Anderson, I think is what works here. And I'm not saying she's not a great actress, but I, but you know, if, if it was a lot of high, is cast in a, a new DC movie. I don't know if it would be as great. Or if it would be like, she's not oh, nearly girl, jacked enough. You know, dude. she's got to get, you jacked. know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> no, totally. It, it's totally that, the perfect combination of, of personalities and, and comfort. I mean, she's worked with him on a million things. Right. I, mean, I think that's too. She's so comfort. She knows com- that she has the trust. She knows. Yeah. The, the, she trusts the director to, she can be yeah. as comfortable as she can to, to be herself. Right. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And something PT, I encourage the listener to listen to this, the a 24 pod, uh, a couple of years ago in uncut gems came out. They did an episode with PTA talking with the Safety brothers, just about, about uncut gems, but also about working with Adam Sandler together because they, you know, obviously he worked with, with, with Sandler on, on punch drunk love. And they were talking about shooting the movie anamorphically and saying, gosh, you know, you've casting Sandler. And one of the first pieces of advice that he gave to the Safties was you've got to shoot this in anamorphic because the faces just look so much better in anamorphic and they just stand out on screen when you shoot an anamorphic. And, and I just think he knows the unique qualities that, that each person mm-hmm. has and he doesn't consider them flaws like a lot of directors would or in, in whatever case it is. I think he just takes people as they are and highlights their personalities. And he's done that throughout his entire career. You know, take someone like Luis Guzman, who's not your typical mm-hmm. Hollywood actor, yeah. but he can put them in the right situation and just accent John their C. qualities Riley. perfectly. Exactly. And so I'm interested to see how he uses Alana and Cooper down the line. And I, I think it was a really strong performance from Cooper, but I didn't get like the, the, you know, his dad, like, Oh my God, who is this guy where you yeah. see him like for the first time in like Twister and you're like, Oh man, who, <laughs> who is this guy? And he's just totally just steals every scene, right? He's certainly got potential, but um, it wasn't like that just oozing charisma that uh, uh, his dad had. So. And, 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 Part of it, I think that's a really good performance from him. It stinks. He's kind of, I mean, he just kind of got blown off the screen by Alana, which is like bizarre, you know? Mm. Um, the thing that's interesting about this movie, I thought, the more I've thought about it, um, it's like, it's almost like an appetizer sampler of a movie, meaning like this entire movie, the whole time you're kind of on this surface level following these two characters. And at any point, you could go down a column 
of a whole other movie. That would be interesting. Right. Like I would yeah. watch a whole movie about Cooper Hoffman yeah. transitioning out of being a child ha- actor. I would watch a whole movie, obviously, about Bradley Cooper's um, John Peters uh, performance and his assistant and all that. Like, I'm in on that. I'm in on the whole Sean Penn as William Holden uh, movie. I'm in on Alana and her family. Uh, a Heim as the Kane's family movie. Like it's like, it kind of just dips its toe into all these other movies that it could absolutely, and you're, you're kind of nervous the whole time. Like, okay, at some point one of these is going to catch and we're going to go down this rabbit hole of this mm-hmm. plot, mm-hmm. but it never really does. It kind of keeps sampling them, which is like at some points kind of frustrating as a watch. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes kind of cool, right? That you get all these little mini movies in one movie and, and kind of collage put together. So, um, I'm interested, Brian, I'll go to you first. Mm-hmm. What that I, I think that's the way to kind of think about this movie is sure. a bunch of mini movies in one mm-hmm. with similar characters, which ones work for you best, which, which ones would you like to explore more or less and et cetera, go on. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. It's like, it's like, like little vignettes of, of a story in a, in, or, or stories like pilot in a, episodes in a almost, yeah. yeah, exactly. Which was cool. Um, but there's also like not any conflict, which also I can be cool. But it, yeah, I'm with you. Like there was like this, there was a point at which I was like, "Is something gonna happen at, at any yeah. point in this movie?" And, and and again, like I'm fine. Like there's plenty of movies that I really dig that don't really have a ton of conflict. Or I told you though, I'm kind of over. Yeah, and part of this is where it came. Like if this mm-hmm. movie had come out five years ago, I probably would have liked it a little sure. more. Yeah, I'm kind of over the genius director making the. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's the hangout movie. Ever the characters are just kind of hanging out. Right, right. I, it, it, I'm with that. I think it's a cool concept, but like everyone's done it now at this yeah. point. And yeah, I'm just sure. kind of over it for the time being. But yeah, no, I, I agree. It, but I think the weird thing for me with this one was that there's you said it, so I'll just I'll just sort of revert. Like there's a tension through most of the movie, and I don't really. I'd have to go honestly. I probably need to go back and rewatch it now, knowing that nothing's really going to break through. You know, but you just. I I felt tense through a good chunk of the second half. Yeah, and it there's not really a, a ton of payoff. For they that. kind of tease you a little bit with it. Yeah, too. they you know like. Gary being yeah. wanted for murder you know, right. throughout in the middle of the right. like, yeah. oh, this is the really going to take a dark with turn. The this yeah. is going to they're yeah. going to get into some trouble. Somebody's going to get sure. shot. You know, it, it it really you know, and her with the the whole truck situation and all that. I mean, right. there are moments of tension, but it's never it never devolves down a down a rabbit yes. hole in, of of chaos. Well, like it's, you it's expect. Let's talk like, about right. the main tension too. Is that they're twenty five and fifteen, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's, that's like true. Weirdly, weirdly, like the thing I don't like about this movie. I'm yeah. not making a moral thing. Is like, but like the thing I don't like about this movie is the tension. The, the like main point of tension is that. And it's like the movie's kind of built around like uh, Ross and Rachel, and you're like right, right but and you just know, make them 19 and 17, and for we're good. Sure. Like, I don't <laughs> exactly, care. exactly. That that's like probably my number one criticism is like I read a lot today on like why why did he go this route and what he thought and all this sort of stuff, and like everything he says makes sense. If it was me that's making the movie, I'd just make him like 17 and and 20 or something like you know what I mean, just like 
just to where that's not like in the back of your head. I think you're right, though. Yeah. I, I think you're right, Richard. And and that is the inherent tension of the film. There's, yeah, you should. We yeah, should no, be no question. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah. be it's... seen with me. We need to never <laughs> well, talk and... to each other again. You know, like like this is a even back then it was a taboo situation. Sure, you know, and she even see it no in her face know. when they first. Yeah. yeah, when she goes to the cock and bull well, or whatever the restaurant's called, she's like, <laughs> yeah. what am I doing here?" You know. Yeah. And sometimes but, it na- I think the movie navigates that really well. Right. Yes. Um and sometimes it 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 does it does it's lesser so but like my my whole thing was like you you get this tension it would be kind of like if uh once upon a time in Hollywood doesn't have that last 20 minutes yes, to it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And and like now part of that or is Brad like, Pitt and his dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um Part of that is just like, you know, when I go to see a Tarantino movie, I know that that is going to happen at some point. There is going to be an explosion of violence at some point. Not, not, not that I needed that in this movie, but you, but yes, you, you do have this like kind of what's going on? Like, where, why do I, why am I on the edge of my seat right now? Like, why mm-hmm. am I uncomfortable um, in a movie where they just like pretty routinely decides not to, <laughs> not to have any conflict or tension that is substantial? You know, it's all, will they be able to park this truck? And is Bradley Cooper a crazy person? You know, things like that, that are, that are, but anyway, I, back to the point, Richard, um, yes, I thought, I thought all of these little, these little stories were really, really interesting. And I, I'm totally with you. You could have, you could have spent two hours in most of those worlds. And I, I think I, I would have really, I would have really enjoyed that. The movie um, could have just been Pinball Palace. I mean. Yeah, I love I mean, that. This whole movie is the movie yeah. could have just been this, and this. It, right? To yes. its credit, by the way, yeah. not just to its detriment. Like you're like, wow, For this sure. guy. Whereas most yeah. of his movies are very one dimensional on that level. Yeah, where it's it's mm-hmm. a guy who has a obsession with uh, you know uh, upholstery business or whatever it is, you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. and and, sure. and the master is a yep. very isolated experience of one person. You know, mm-hmm. this is. Sure. It, it does. I mean, it, you switch between Gary and Alana throughout the movie, and you follow both of them and both of their struggles, and and you relate to both of them in that way, and you want both of them to find each other in the end. And mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, you don't really know how you want. Th- it's like, can you guys go away from each other for ten years and then find right, each other? Yeah. I think you're right, Brian. <laughs> where he he was just kind of making a comedy with this one, and it's so fun. There's so much. Oh, honestly, really funny man just pure it's just kind of a sweet movie yeah and i hate is. to yeah. say that because it is a uh you know there is the age difference but like it it wasn't offensive to me in a way that like distracted from the movie i thought it was kind of a sweet innocent uh story and yeah i think you got that part right like 90 percent of the time right. honestly like, yeah i, I, I think I thought... it's totally blown out of proportion and people blow things out of proportion but that's not I guess that's not like what I left thinking about. It, yeah, it was like the it's that thing of like I love that he didn't try to win as an artist. I think it's interesting that he didn't try to hedge his bet. But then also you go, I, I kind of liked when you were hedging your bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like you're setting yourself up for this right. conversation when if you just. I mean, he was 18 when they made the movie. They could just very easily make him <laughs> 17. And right. And, and again, he he looks like he's a giant man. So like you, you could very easily do this. You could do the same thing with her age her down a little bit and you just like avoid, 
you could still I feel like you could still have this exact same yeah, conflict like and exact same con- yeah exactly but not because again I really think it navigates it really really beautifully yes. for the most part there's like maybe I mean we're talking like maybe one minute total in the movie that's like yeah. oh that might be the line there like I don't know I and, think the entire speaking of that I think the entire John Michael Higgins as much as I love him that whole entire thing could have been cut and no one would have yeah it doesn't done. add it doesn't add to the plot, which has been the critique of it, where you're doing this just yes. for the sake of doing it, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's the critique, which I, I think is fair and all that. But also, it's it's the, but the counterpoint. The joke is on that character. He's the idiot, right? Yes. I, I, I worry right. as a – I don't really care about it in this use case because you're right. I could say, yeah, you don't really need to do that. Um, I worry in things that where that could be narratively important or whatever, mm-hmm. where we lose the – nuance of yeah he's he's a dumb racist idiot yeah, restaurant owner who right. this lovely japanese woman for whatever reason is married to who's she's clearly the brains of the operation and he's so stupid right. but this is the world we lived in the 70s where this guy just got to well, kind of be in charge absolutely yeah and we yeah. lose that nuance when we go uh but you're but to that point it's it's an offensive thing or whatever you know right, he's purposely being offensive yeah I, no, I, no 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 yeah but it, but it doesn't push anything. For, it's just there for kind of it's like there kind of a comedic relief yeah. thing. And, Which and this I don't movie know, maybe I'm of the age and relief, I think. Yeah, but I so much. It. I mean, I thought it, in it. I laughed at the guy and how dumb the guy was. I did. I'll admit it. I just yeah. thought it. Was, I I, I, was I was expecting fine, it to go further than it did in terms of contributing somewhere or or yes, come back. It around would have been a lot more defensible if it mattered to the plot of the movie. That's how I felt. Yeah, totally. But. I, I I do worry that we we jump down these things like this is offensive and you're like yeah I know because this guy's an idiot right this like, guy's he's an idiot. Be- <laughs> yeah, he is offensive you're you're correct the yeah. point is also, that he's I mean, offensive yeah. yes I mean he's PTA said in the Times he was like I mean I'm I'm summarizing but basically my big thing which I say pretty frequently is you can't look at the again I'm not I agree with you guys it was semi inconsequential to the movie so you, you could easily move on but. Looking at history through the lens of today is stupid. It's a bad idea. Yeah. It's just, it's, you're, more than that, like, it's, you're, I guarantee, <laughs> I don't want my, I, I don't want my own thoughts to be, <laughs> like, in sure. 10 years looked at the, through the lens of, of, right. it's, it's a bad, it's a bad concept and a bad road to go down. Hey, and then Harry, Harry Sansom Harris, who's a, by the way, Fort Worth's own, um, mm-hmm. but also a genius actor especially if you're a Frasier fan um as his agent one of the best sitcom characters ever but she her whole thing with when she's an, again an agent auditioning uh Alana with like it's such a Jewish nose like that right, you know right. that old thing too I mean it, but it's like these yeah these people were jerks that's what that, like there was yeah. a lot of just jerks that lived you know that's the point that's how lovely that we can what a wonderful thing that in 2022 yeah. we realize this yeah. is absurd yeah. to the point of comedy yeah pta's commentary on that is back then they would have seen that as a flaw i cast this girl as a star in a movie like this is how mm. times have improved you know i think that's his whole point right. with that my i loved that plot line of of her auditioning and stuff yeah, i, I thought that scene. was an, an incredible mo- uh time in the movie i guess it's kind of around the middle of the film. Harris but. is an unbelievable and, and he's been using, he used her in Phantom Thread too, mm-hmm. character actress. She is like, put her, she's a put her in everything kind of actor to mm-hmm. me. 
She's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Like, she's in like two episodes of Frasier a season, and it's just like we all have that with different sitcoms when, when that when that character shows up and you're like, yep, I've seen this a hundred times. I'm going to sit down for 22 minutes and watch this episode. Cause mm-hmm. this is, you know, like when pepper shows up on modern family, Nathan lane or, or there's a million examples of it. It's so funny. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, so moving, moving through this movie a little more in, in different choices that were made. Um, well, uh, let's just get to the, I mean, let's get to the showiest part of the movie. Bradley Cooper. Gosh. Um, Kind of going back to the, you know, how he started. I mean, people forget his first movie is Wet Hot American Summer. I mean, this is someone, you know, obviously uh, Wedding Crashers and Hangover, all these things. Someone who's become this really great leading man, but has real, real comedic chops. Um, And just is firing. I mean, this character, first off, (laughs) you don't know anything about First off, this character was married to Pamela Anderson for like eight days last year. So this guy's still <laughs> slanging it. You know what I mean? This yeah. guy, that's all he needs to know. So much. Yeah. So much. Yeah. I mean, this guy. So, so if you think it's over the top, I mean, I, I remember present to the court. I mean, but yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. I mean, hysterically funny performance. I think that whole, you're right, Brian. I was with you. It was like first act I was in second act. I'm a little, there's really acts yeah. of this. I was kind of like, all right. And then, the whole thing, once he's introduced yeah. and the whole reverse the truck down the the Hollywood Hill, I'm in. I'm just like, I'll watch the third act of this movie. I'll watch 200 times in my life. I guarantee it. Yeah. I remember the um, first image of this movie was just Bradley Cooper in that white, <laughs> those white pants. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like image <laughs> leaks from new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And it's just him. And I think Alana was like in the background. Yeah, she is. She's and in that car just like, wow, this is going to be interesting. And I thought it was just going to be following that guy around for an entire yeah. movie, which would have been still great. But yeah, I, I'm with you guys. The realization, like when we see the trailer and the the poster, that it's he's a very small part of this was mm-hmm. was surprising. But I think it benefits the movie that he wasn't the the focus. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's because he what he's doing is so extreme as a performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's awesome that not only is it a small piece of the movie, but it's in the later half, later part of the film. Because if that if that's in the first twenty minutes, you're bored the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. Because I mean, how do you sure. live up to yeah. that? The energy on yeah. that and that's on the screen when he when he pops in for three minutes is unreal. So do you have any family? Just, do you have a brother? Yeah, I'm gonna kill your brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that kind of that coked up kind of yeah. like whatever. Yeah. Um, his yeah. assistant is fantastic. That great. I could have yeah. used a bunch of the 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 kind of looming. Streisand as uh-huh. sort of seventy Streisand as a off screen foil, right? Is yeah. awesome. Everything yeah, about the everything it. about that. I mean, that's the world. I mean, I like this movie a lot. We'll give it. We'll grade it out in a second in a little <laughs> bit. But like, this is an A sixteen plus. If it's just <laughs> that, so you're probably right. Like we're like, oh my god, yeah. Oh, Boogie yeah. Nights. What? I mean. But but it's, it's it's great that it's it's used the way it's used. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Like you probably get tired of that character after sure. after a little while, um, and maybe you never get an opportunity to get tired of because it it's. I mean, he gets five minutes of screen time or something like that. Um, well, he circles backs on the on the women. <laughs> yeah, on the yes. you know whatever the street. You like peanut butter sandwiches? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know the story behind that? Great. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. So, you know. For whatever reason, I just thought it was very Rosillo. That's all. <laughs> no, That's all I thought. He, uh, <laughs> no, this is great. You'll love this, Brian. 
He so I'm assuming the the William Holden estate said no, you know you can use mm-hmm. a pseudonym and it can whatever for whatever reason they didn't want that. But he brought this John Peters, who's you know like I said still with us, still still tagging you know Baywatch's <laughs> own. And uh, he said he sent him the script and said here's here I've written this whatever and 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 the guy called him or they had a meeting and John Peters was like I'm not gonna read that that's like 160 pages like it's not. <laughs> And uh, so, like, can you just kind of give me the gist? And uh, so he walked him through, and he said, "All right, I have two notes. One, I would definitely try to hook up with Alana's character, so you need to write that in, because mm-hmm. apparently that wasn't <laughs> the original. Because he's like, I'm yeah. just being real. Me in the '70s, like, he, he literally was like, what does she look like?' And he like showed him a picture of Alana. He's like, yeah, definitely would have tried. And then second, and then he goes, and then secondly, you have to use my pickup line. And he was like, and PTA was like, what's your pickup line? He's like, do you like peanut butter sandwiches? And PTA is like, done. So that's why that's in there. That was a Gosh, real. Gosh, that's incredible. So now I'm, incredible. I need a John Peters documentary. Stat. Yeah, yeah. We got, we need a yeah. 30 for 30 on that guy real fast. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, why that's in there. Isn't that great? Yeah. What I love about this, about that too, is like, I'm a huge, I mean, we all, I think we all are. We're all big fans of, of actual character actors and, and. I you it's become a thing lately where there's like an over reliance on on faces, on on names, on movie stars to play character roles in movies. And I get why you do that. Um especially when you're able to get like a super deep cast that you can do that kind of thing with. It's cool. But you you do lose something sometimes when you when you don't have a a stable full of of character actors, especially in a movie like this that has so many little parts, so that all that to say, you get freaking Tom Waits, who I love. I love when Tom Waits shows up on screen. Um, I think he's he's so much fun in these things. And and uh, you mentioned the the uh, casting director. I mean, there's a lot of really good character actors, actual character actors in this. And then it's like, also though, I'm going to devote five minutes to letting Bradley Cooper just go absolutely <laughs> on this. And it's so fun and cool. And also, by the way, Sean Penn, who I always say like yeah. a checked in Sean Penn is one of the five greatest oh, actors of, of his generation. It just doesn't happen very frequently. Yeah. And so He's too busy. You get, like- you get, yeah, you get like the best VR 10 minutes of him. I mean, yeah. it's, I love, you're right. It's very showy and, but I'm cool with it. Yeah. It's so, it's so, knows how to handle that. so much fun. I mean, he, he, you know, yeah. in lesser hands, that, I mean, pro, you know, cons of PTA, he's going to let stuff meander, but pros is like, he knows how to handle Sean Penn. Like he's going to, he's going to be like, you know, he's going to lay it out to where you're going to get that. And, and or, I, I thought it was cool. I was listening to Bradley Cooper was on the uh, Dak Shepard podcast uh, recently. And he was, he was talking about um, how he bonded with Todd Phillips um, back in the day when he was kind of a nobody, you know, um, coming in on, on wedding crashes. And then, and then he was like the eighth choice, right. For only when they reduced the budget to nothing on the hangover, did he get that hangover part? And they said, why were you friends with Todd Phillips? He said, we used to just hang out and talk about PTA. We would go to PTA premieres and stuff together. We were like PTA nerds. And I, 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 I listened to that a week before I said, watch this movie. And then I was, I was kind of like my heart warm. I was like, how cool now, you know, full circle that he gets to have this, like, you know, from, from, Nerd to huge movie star to now a character actor basically do it, throwing a five minute heater in a PTA movie. How cool is that? 
Have you seen that clip of him back, I guess it's mid-2000s, he's asking somebody, he's like on the inside the actor's yeah, studio. Yeah, he's a student. Yeah, he's one students of the, yeah. asking a question. Yeah. That's always crazy yeah. to see. Yeah. And he's yeah. talking to like, I don't know, Pacino or... De Niro. I think it's I th- Hanks. Is it Hanks? One of the, you know, yeah, this one, is of De Niro the, one of the one yeah. all-time greats where he's just like, I just want to say how yeah. big a fan I am of your work. You yeah. Know, it's just crazy. Totally. That's what's so funny with him is like when he when he first broke and he's in Wedding Crashers, his name is Sack, yeah. you know, and you're like, an this guy yeah, was like a, like a really like, yeah, yeah. like a, a trained actor. Like this is, this is hardcore. And then within two years like oh right obviously he's incredible yeah like he's no he's great he's great and he's so he's so and i'm so he's doing that leonard bernstein movie next which i'm so excited for um he's awesome but it's cool to watch him you know this is i this is the brad pitt part in once upon a time in hollywood the difference is that it's way less of it um but it's if they are equals you know in terms of that like chaos being able to create chaos with their not only you know great skill but also just complete magnetism as well all right so last thing i want to touch on before we we grade this out is the the um the storyline i thought was kind of interesting the last kind of piece of the last column that they could have gone down and they went down it a bit with 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 benny safty um with the la politics with the you know what it meant to be closeted in the in the seventies. It takes an interesting turn on all of that with Alana kind of stuck in the middle as your as your proxy as you go through and you meet all I mean, the cool thing about this movie is you get to meet all these kind of crazy characters with these normal people um guiding who by the way are great, you know. So uh what'd you think of that storyline and how that paid off? I thought that dinner scene was really, really well well done. Um and with with the tease of the kind of the 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 spy that's hanging outside the campaign headquarters and all that, and then suddenly he's at the dinner. To me, that was like okay, now we have some plot going. Now, you know, yeah. and it kind of starts kicking off there. I was interested in in us. Ken, I'll start with you. What what do you think of that sequence and how that all Yeah, went? man, I I I love that. Uh, to me, you're I'm with you. That's where the movie really started to hum for me was when that storyline came in. I didn't seen Benny Safty act before, but I mean, he blew me away in this. I thought he was, he was fantastic. And I'm excited to see he's doing a, the Obi-Wan movie and something else. I, Oh, Oppenheimer, I think the Christopher. Oh, cool. 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 He's in that as well, but seems like he's got some chops and it makes sense. Cause I think, I think Josh, um, Josh is the one of the two, it's more of the director, so um, he's also just a really interesting looking person. I think that helps too. Not uh-huh. to say he's not a great actor too, but like, you know what I mean? He kind of has. A, I wouldn't say he's like handsome or ugly, but he's someone that the camera really is focused. He, he, he yeah. stands out. Yeah, and he doesn't wear uh, you know dad caps all the time, so that helps. <laughs> uh, that's why he got cast in this instead of his brother. Actually, I think. Sure. So, um, so that was really cool, man, and and. I'm with you. I think that's that dinner scene is just a clinic in directing, editing. Yeah. The whole reveal was was fantastic. I mean, I'm her I, acting too. It, her realizing so, that is so I mean, slow yeah. and good. Her her like facial expression at the reveal. Yeah, I mean, I I could see it in my mind now. It's just so it, it immediately stands out from this film. Yeah. And might be the best shot scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah it's just a, a, that bar. It's just so, so good. And the lighting in this movie is, is unbelievable yeah. too. the pinball. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, arcade scene. Oh man, that looked good. Uh, and the other scene that stand, stood out for me for Milana was was her working the phones, uh, the yeah. waterbed uh, company. I thought, I mean, that's to her Oscar moment. Yeah. I felt like of this <laughs> of this movie. Um, but I have one more, a couple more things I want to touch on. But yeah, if you want to touch ahead. on this uh, this yeah. last scene, yeah, I think Brian. I just think. Well, I want to throw to Brian, but I just think this is the this is the. Um, it finally puts Alana in over her head, which is interesting because this is this is uh-huh. a, a movie about two, not necessarily con artists, but two people that are kind of punching above their weight, and then finally, mm-hmm. the real life hits her here, and I think it's so well yeah. written and acted and directed. I just think it really hits. But Brian, what, what are your thoughts on this? Then we'll we'll go to yeah. I, I thought it was a great scene, and it's it's a it's just a really good. Um, you mentioned that she's she's kind of punching out of her weight class there that that's kind of how I felt it was like that was a is a very sobering moment for that character um who's just kind of I want to say lived a charmed yeah. existence she thinks she's movie, got it all but, figured but, out right yeah she's she's yeah yeah exactly and then she super does not that's a very so yeah I, I thought it was a great scene and it, it made for the you know kind of the final scene feeling very natural while again also being like this is a little bit weird right a little bit weird that right um, but I, I did think that it it was uh, it was just a very organic uh, progression for that character and that was that was really cool to see because there's not a ton of that, that I mean that's a, I don't know if I would even say if it's a criticism but because of the nature of the movie and the way it is jumping in and out of the lives of all these uh, really interesting supporting characters and situations stuff like that. There's not a ton of like development through yeah, the movie, no. and so to see her her character get some actual opportunity to to uh, to grow and change and develop and all that sort of stuff, I think was was really great and kind of puts a nice cap on on the experience of the movie. Yeah, it it really, yeah, it, for me, it was that moment where she's just reflecting on everything that's happened that we've seen, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and realizing all these men that have screwed her over. And the one man that hasn't is Gary. Right. And yeah. she just goes basically running back into his arms and, and realizing the true love that he had as a, as a friend more than anything, mm-hmm. which is what she kind of was looking for in the end. She thought she wanted this Hollywood lifestyle, all these, you know, data politician, all this stuff. And it's really about love at the end of the day. And so I thought that was a really sweet uh, way to end it. And this is an extremely Jewish story. And I, you know, looked into it. He grew up Catholic, but I just thought it was an extremely genuinely, uh, you know, Jewish story about, uh, you know, a Jewish girl and her family. And I thought that was extremely um, heartfelt from him. And Alana said when they shot that dinner scene that that was during the pandemic. And that was like the first time her family and them had sat down at a table, you know, since the the pandemic had started. So that was a very emotional thing for them. But that scene with Lance too, at the dinner table where, amazing that's a really funny scene with then the the haim dad that's her real dad oh gosh lance i forgot about lance lance is a great skyler (laughs) that guy every time he pops up in something i'm like give me yeah he's the same he's He's so good i actually can't do that because i'm an atheist because yeah that whole that whole like the chutzpah no pun intended of that character is really right really really funny 
the very respectful yeah, way. Yeah, so nice about it. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That scene. That scene is, the what, is what I'm referring to. Yes. Yeah. That that entire thing is just so. Esty with great older sister face too. Yeah. Right, and uh, and, and yeah. Jewish families of you need to find a nice Jewish boy, and her using a a way to to tell him he's Jewish so that she can convince her parents that he's Jewish. I thought was very uh, funny, and that was based, I guess, on a real situation that happened in the Haim family. But <laughs> I just thought it like the inclusion of her actual family and and John C. Riley pops up in here, yeah. and it's just an extremely genuine film from Paul Thomas Anderson, which yeah. we usually get, but it feels a little bit more true to life than, I mean, Maya Rudolph's in this, what more can I say? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like he, he, he was really just like taking a break from being pretentious guy talking about stuff and making his film. And, and it just happens to be great. <laughs> That's just what it, kind of what it is. Yeah, totally. I think he, it, I don't know the the impact COVID had on this in terms of like moving this up his timeline or if he would have made this this anyway. But it did seem like, hey, I'm just going to do something with my people I love, kind of my extended family, sure. and make something. And you know, a lot of the kids in the movie are like his kids' friends and things like that. I don't know if that was necessity was the mother of invention or invention was the mother of necessity, right? But mm-hmm. but I think it is cool. You know this this movie's a little sloppy. I'm not going to give it an A plus by any means, but it's it's definitely one of those that's like I think its rewatchability will eclipse its quality. Um, sure. Yeah, I'm excited. What I was going to yeah. say, yeah, what I was going to say, kind of on that, just like a slight, I guess, slight difference is like I'm with you. I'm not going to give this an A plus um, because there there are several things that I saw this movie today that are like actual there are real issues for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to remember any of those in in 6 months. Right. I'm I'm going to be rewatching this at some point down the line and be like, "Man, this movie freaking rules." Yeah. Like this is there's so much to really dig about it and I'll probably gloss over the parts that sure. you know, sort of the the missing connective tissue between some of the 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 vignettes and the the some of the weird choices that are made and things like that. That stuff is is going to fade with time um that at them so in some ways it's almost unfair to to count them and a little but i saw the movie today and those things stick out but they won't soon yeah That's- i can say i saw this like two weeks ago um and it's actually got up in my estimation in those two weeks sure. so i'm interested it's i've kind of talked myself up right. through the course the more, of, it, of yeah this, even on this episode, episode i'm kind of yeah. like yeah no that was awesome <laughs> you know i'm like extremely like, memorable yeah. yeah i saw it yeah. two weeks ago too and i'm i can recall mm-hmm. so many yeah so many moments uh, that stand out. So I think you're right. Of of all his films, this will probably rank number one on rewatchability in terms of. Uh, I don't know. You just throw Boogie it on Nights, in a dude. random week. Boogie Nights is so rewatchable. <laughs> yeah. You get to that fireworks scene. I tried that in my house. It hasn't worked. Very oh really? Well. I'm right. maybe, <laughs> maybe we're just weird pervs. I don't know what to tell you. But, <laughs> no, but like, there's so many. Like, it's such it. a scene movie in Boogie Nights. When you, if that, if that's not to be a, one of those losers, but if that's on some kind of streamer or cable or something. And it's, especially if you happen upon it and it's like, Oh yeah, I'll watch 30 minutes of this. It's, it's, it's that kind of movie. But, but, uh, whereas I, there will be blood is a superior film probably, but is it mm-hmm. doesn't have the rewatchability. This is more in the boogie nights camp, which I'm so thrilled with. Cause that's, 
that's PTA is a great, uh, uh, you know, great creator of scenes. And, mm-hmm. and did they all work together in this movie? No, but like there's nine awesome scenes. I can't wait to just watch again, like their SNL sketches in the future. Yeah. And he'd be the first to admit that he said, you know, they didn't come up with the name licorice pizza till the very end because yeah. he just needed a phrase to define yeah. this experience Great and title, what this way. movie was, this aesthetic that he kind of brought to it. And I guess, yeah, Licorice Pizza was a record store back yeah. in California back in the day. And Brian, that great tweet you sent us is so funny. I think about it every time. That was like, <laughs> uh, try li- it was like, uh, saw or tried Licorice Pizza, wasn't for me. A lot of good parts didn't necessarily go together. Can't wait to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. You sent it to us. It made me laugh. Yeah. Really it's exactly right. Yeah. Uh-huh. An observation that my wife had leaving this which was dead on. And she said, it's opposite of house of Gucci with the needle drops. And I yes. thought there was some, some yeah. fantastic oh, yeah. music soundtrack. in this Great soundtrack. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to it a few times. I thought, you know, the inclusion of peace frog from the doors was great. I love, uh, let me roll it. Of course. Yeah. And yeah, it was awesome. I busted out Shazam like a couple of times in the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. You got Joe Walsh in yeah. there. Uh-huh. And then I thought the inclusion of having Johnny Greenwood kind of do the moments that were in between yeah. was perfect because you have mm-hmm. that, that signature Paul Thomas Anderson tension, you know, like a lot is like running down the street angry and you've got that Johnny Greenwood in the background. It just works. And yep. I thought all, all the moments were, were perfect. Ken, have you done uh, have you watched Spencer moment, yet? That way. Have you watched Spencer? Yes. Yet? <sighs> yes. That and that's great. Story. A great example too. And, <laughs> in, in power <laughs> of the dog, yeah. the score of power of the dog, I feel like, let's just say contributes greatly to the aesthetic yeah. of that. Film. But I like so, that he didn't do it in this. It wouldn't have worked. And I love his stuff. with Green yeah. I loved it in Phantom Thread with the symphony. Sure. I loved it. in and there we blow with the more electronic music. I loved it in the master with kind of the mixture with the jazz and all that. I mean, those two have such a great creative relationship. And I love that. What, what makes PTA awesome is like, nah, this is a soundtrack movie where I'm just going to freaking mm-hmm. throw needle drops yep. at you, but they're going to be yep. cool needle drops and you're welcome. And, mm-hmm. but also the balls being like, but the trailer life on Mars, like it's not, sure. this is not a yeah. B side. This is <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's yeah, going to work. It's awesome. Yeah. Knowing when to use a B side versus just going for the yeah. hit is, uh, is a real skill. And I don't know. I think some people, some people have, uh, have developed that skill and, and some, some less so. All right. So should we grade this bad boy out? Kent, do you have anything, yeah. any, any other things you want to touch on? Or are we good to grade? One more note. Yeah. Is please. Loved the cameo from Destry Spielberg. Yeah. And I was like, mm, yeah, gosh, yeah. between her and, and Danielle, I was just waiting for Linda Cardellini to show up. And yeah, those like, are your every, girls. every one of Kent's crushes is going to be in this Man. movie. Danielle looked great in this. Just Danielle is still <laughs> still the number one, and the scene of her and and Alana smoking the joint in the dugout of the basketball, I mean, of the yeah. baseball stadium was was my favorite. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it just felt scene. like they had been there so many times before. <laughs> you know, yeah. I could tell. And yeah, and it, I, I watched an interview with Hyam talking about this. All three sisters were together, and SD was talking about like I don't relate to the the. Uh, popular one the, the parent favorite the power person and, and the other two were like uh yeah that's definitely you it's <laughs> like, <laughs> like i i don't know it was hard for me to relate to that they're like why that's you all day <laughs> you know so it's funny and just the mirroring of the actual family felt 
yeah. uh, felt felt kind of dead on and well, they're a really interesting uh, family too. Like, I mean, right. to Paul's credit, I mean, right. yeah, I mean, he's worth them a bunch, but like, you know, the you know, dad his, was like his, his really soccer his, player. His, um, yeah, was his the mom was, was his, his art, art teacher, teacher in elementary yeah. school. Unbelievable small world. Like, I think uh, the Rolling Stone piece on this, I think uh, Alana said that like destiny put them together. I mean, you know, it goes as far back as as their mom teaching him in art school. Yeah. So, and That's him awesome. hearing them on the radio and wanting them work to work with them, and not even knowing that connection at all or anything about them, it just it's just it's a collaboration that has paid dividends for both of them. And yeah, I mean, if you would have told me three years ago, uh, Richard, that he would cast one of them in a movie and it would be excellent and something that we wanted to see more of, I wouldn't have believed you. Absolutely. So, no, totally. so the fact I remember that two, three is, years is ago, sitting on your sofa, having a beer and like watching their live show, both of, you know, you and me mm-hmm. that's yep. on YouTube. It's in like uh, Portugal or something. It's the only like full concert on YouTube. And it's like, and you and I just being totally transfixed and thinking we're total nerds. And then to have that kind of like verified by PTA is such a cool <laughs> feeling. You know, I'm never right. That, it feels the, cool to the be right. women in music. Oh. album came out and he shot the cover of that yeah. and it's just it's it's awesome i i, I wanted to continue and please yeah and radiohead's not going to do crap for like the next 10 years so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely we'll talk about this more in a few but let's grade this bad boy out i uh, give it an a by the way that's yeah. my grade it's just solid a, solid a brian you solid go ahead. a i have some qualms with it but i think rewatchability and yeah and just mm-hmm. joy that it, it will bring me over time i think we'll we'll keep it at an a yeah, same for me. Straight A. You know what, guys? And this is going to be shocker because I'm such a fan. I was going to go A- minus coming into this episode and just going through same it scene here. by scene. Yeah. I'm up a bit. I'm going to go A as well. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't be shocked this is an A- plus in 10 years because it's just like, you yeah. know, whatever. But yeah. hey, cool. All right. Well, hey, 2021 gave us something. <laughs> Brian, yeah, I'm so you know pumped, man. An A yeah. on a PTA yeah, movie. Really cool. Yeah. Cast high them, you know. That's that's what I'd say. Yeah. Just yeah, put them in everything. Your turn. Yeah, easy. Your move, David Just cast them. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can. Yeah, yeah you can get me in too, man. Um, yeah, she's so like, good. By the way, uh, she's we didn't talk about this. this. She un- give. Yeah. If she doesn't get an Oscar nom, I, I'm going to burn well, you to go to the ground. She will. She will for yeah, sure. That, well, that's what I was going to say. Like hey, this the is Golden Globes are nervous. Not that they matter, but yeah, this is a bad year for female leads for quantity. Like there's not, yeah. I mean, I made my list today. Uh, like you know, here's what I'm considering and stuff. And I have four, five, six. I have like twelve, uh, twelve names on the yeah. best actors. You mean bad nominee. for her like, odds, right? In getting in there. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Really it, well, it's it, it's it's really it's not a it's not a super deep field, but there are yeah. there are like four probable locks, and then so. You know what are you gonna do with it? It's it's. I'm just saying, like Olivia Coleman yeah. and uh, Jessica Chastain and Rachel Zegler Nicole and Cole Kidman because she's no Cole Kidman. Sorry, Ken. She doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that that one's gonna drive me nuts. That one's gonna drive me nuts. So anyway, there's there's uh there's probably there's probably like seven names. You're like, oh yeah, absolutely should be nominated, but there's only five. You yeah. know, so that's it's gonna be. But this was. This is probably number one yeah, for me. She's personally. unbelievable in this. Put her yeah. in everything, Hollywood. Everything. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, three A's. Uh, let's let's uh, take a break. We'll do a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. All right. I'll go first. Easy one for me. I've been saving this for a year and a half. 
Women in Music Part 3. An incredible album, a perfect album. It's framed. I'm not at home right now, but if I was, I'd be looking up at it. It's framed and autographed on my desk. It's a perfect, and I've got the red vinyl. So, like, one of, I'm not a vinyl head like you guys, but uh, a perfect, perfect album. And uh, if you if you were intrigued by this movie, this is your way in on Hyam. By God, what a, I mean, all their albums are great, but this one was a, uh, a magnum opus, in my opinion. Every Every song is awesome. So, yeah, that's mine. Easy one. Love it. So good. Yeah, great record. I like something to tell you as well. Oh, I think that one's yeah, just that one's a great different song. aesthetic, way more of a pop record, but it's um it, it's the Days one are that gone too. in love like with a, them. Days are gone's great, but and I liked it, but then I heard something to tell you and I was like, I'm in love. I'm fully in love. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Woman of Music Part Three, I I mean I'm even further in love. So uh, you're right. That's 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 Probably the best entry point, I would say. My favorite video of theirs is actually "If I Could Change Your Mind," uh, where you're dancing on like a 1970s. Yeah, uh, I guess it's like the Merv Griffin show, yeah. basically, and they're doing like a choreographed mm-hmm. dance. I think that's fun. But yeah, they're they're hilarious and Sarah just Heim in general. The first seven is a recommend. Yeah, Heim in general, perfect. Great. <laughs> just Sarah and I spent Heim the first on YouTube, whatever. Yeah, seven months of quarantine. Just, I mean. <laughs> dozens if not hundreds of hours of just like popping a bottle of wine and just watching high music videos like yeah because they're all shot by pta so it makes yeah, it nice they're also <laughs> it's, it's very yes. fun to watch them <laughs> yes you're right so so yeah they're all great um but yeah can't or that's Brian, great you guys go with your rec i'll go uh next i've got a documentary i just watched that was fascinating i've been waiting for this uh, for about a year when I heard it was announced, it's called The Lost Leonardo, and it's about the yeah. Salvatore Mundi painting. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that, man. Gosh, it, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic documentary. So uh, this, if you don't know the story, this uh, painting was discovered in the, the late 2000s uh, by basically, uh, I forgot what they call themselves, but these guys that go around and just look for lost paintings or paintings that could be by famous artists and, and then, uh, and obviously auction them. Well, this one uh, could have been by Leonardo, right? And so it was attributed to Leonardo. Well, long story short, it becomes the most uh, valuable painting ever. It's a, and there's a long story about if it's by Leonardo, who could it be by what the history of the painting is all that kind of stuff. It's a fascinating story. And I mean, this is a guy, Leonardo, who had a dozen paintings and they were all very well documented. So to find one in, in 2007 in New Orleans was very shocking. And so that's a documentary right there. But uh, The Lost Leonardo came out this year and and it, it certainly met my expectations for what I wanted it to be. Um, I love an art documentary and art theft and art heist and art any kind of art um controversy or deep dive is always right up my alley Ken, i gotta get you in on gabrielle alon this is the thing it's a it's a they're a series by daniel silva they're they're like kind of like jason Bourne spy books this is going to be our netflix show that you and i are going to make at some point but his cover kent is that he's an art restorer for the pope and he like he, oh. he restores paintings of like, you know, all these great Italian masters. And then he kills people for the Israeli government. And it's, oh. 
they're awesome. I thought he was going to do something with the art. It's no, just, no, it's, it's just the art gig. No, but it's incredible because it's really well researched. Like it's kind of all the art stuff's great, and then mm-hmm. you know it turns into an awesome like Jason Bourne story from there. But he he's this beautiful artist that is kind of guilted into defending his country and all this stuff. But it would be the best Netflix show ever. I don't know why anyone hasn't made it yet. And I, but I need you to like audible one of these books because you'd be all in. All he Man, does art. is like hunt down old Nazis and restore. Michelangelo paintings. And it's, art it's restoration is a big is a big player in this story, and art. Um, I don't want to say th- a forgery is what the word I'm looking yeah. for is so fascinating to me, and it, I saw some stat out there in some documentary. They said that as many as like forty percent of all paintings out there by well known artists are forge forges, yeah, it's uh, forgeries or whatever, like. Because, cause, you know, somebody can just paint something, walk into a museum and say, my grandma found this in her attic. And nine times out of 10, the museum wants to hang it because it's by some famous artists. So the amount of stuff out there, there's one documentary I'll recommend on the side called Art and Craft. That was just about one dude that lived in Oklahoma that could paint in like 20 different styles of these masters and would just... Uh, you know, sell them to a museum for like a thousand bucks each and was do it, doing it for like 20 years until one day somebody decided to look up one of these paintings and was like, oh, wait, <laughs> there's two yeah. of these. Unbelievable. It is. It's like a weirdly like sloppy world with a ton of networks. Yes, exactly. It's so easily it's frauded, right? And, and there's hundreds of, this- of millions of dollars being thrown yeah. around at just like... Nobody does their research. Nobody does any kind of. Everybody wants NFTs. You think you're original, right? Everybody in the art world wants like they want this painting to be a Leonardo because how great is that story? Finding a Leonardo two hundred years later, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a big player in this, and the lost Leonardo is uh, should be a movie. Like they need to make this into an actual movie sometime. I think that'd be a great Fincher story or something because it's a. It's crazy. I mean, the, the, the painting is worth $500 million. <laughs> so, wow. It's crazy. All right, Brian, what's your recommend, brother? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a, uh, a movie that has like a, is, right now is like right on the outside of my top 10 or right near the end of my, my top 10 for the year. I don't think we're going to get an episode in on it, but, uh, it dropped on, uh, Apple plus a couple of weeks ago. It's Swan Song. Yeah. With, uh, Mahershala Ali kind mm. of in a, in a, I, in you a, know what? Uh, I thought role. it was a show. It's a movie. I haven't watched. Yeah, it's oh, a movie. Okay, cool. I'm gonna yeah. have to check it out. Yeah, feel stupid. I host. This yeah, show. I mean, I it's it's uh it's got some Black Mirror cool. to it, but it's not as um uh, depressing and, and horrifying <laughs> as Black Mirror usually. Yeah. Is, accurate. You know? I didn't even say accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That too. Um. Yeah. It, it was a. I mean, Mahershala Ali is decent. One of the great actors. Green Book is the movie. I mean, that's my Bible, dude. <laughs> yeah. I've rewatched yeah. it a hundred times. Like all we all have. <laughs> That's such a funny one because it's like that movie's so not very. It's not very He's good. He's so great in it. And, he deserved the Oscar. But you're just like, yeah, it's fine. I, I'm not going to throw a fit about it because right. that no. dude rules, and he probably right. deserves more Oscars than he already has. It's so like if, yeah, if it's like if Dirk it. had randomly won the title in like 2014, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, they definitely weren't the best. Yeah, team. <laughs> Darren Collison doesn't deserve this, but Dirk sure does. Right. Yeah, that's that's how I how I feel. Um, yeah, man, it's a like I said, it's a dual role. Uh, the uh, just the the very baseline of it is 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 a it's a I, it's very near future cool and uh, this guy discovers that he is dying of whatever they don't I don't think they ever really say but essentially cancer and he 
uses his power and influence to um, get in with this like technology company that basically creates a clone of you. And so he is like, it's this process to turn over all of your memories and thoughts and all this sort of stuff to the clone. And then the clone takes your place and you die. Oh, wow. So it's like, again, it is a little bit dark, but it's, it's very, I don't know. It's kind of, it kind of has like a lot more, it's, it's definitely more hopeful than a, a, an episode of black mirror, but it kind of has some of those vibes. But yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, he's, he's incredible. And the, uh, so freaking hyper the last bro. like third. Yeah. Yeah. The last third is very affecting awesome. and authentic and stuff. Cool. So it definitely got a, got some vibes for me. So yeah, I, I really dig it. It might pop up in my top 10 of the year. Well, now I know it's a movie. Sure. I'll definitely, I kind of like set it aside. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll get to that. Sure. I thought it was like a six episode thing. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, yeah, good sure. job, Apple. Great marketing. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, this was licorice pizza. This was fun. You can find, uh, us at mad about movies, podcast.com. You can find all of us on our Twitters. Kent's at, at Kent Garrison. Brian is at BD Gill 12. I'm at, Richard Barden on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. We're all there. Engage with us. This is a a thinky kind of movie that we would love to. These are the movies this time of year that we love to discuss uh, with you. Because I mean, what are we going to do? Talk about you know stuff that comes out in May, like a Fast Nine. We're way above that. We're so cool and hip. No, but no. These this time of year with all the awards and everything, we'd love to engage with you. Let, let us know all of your thoughts uh in in everything so uh check out those weekly recommends check out the podcast check out the mad about movies vip at mad about movies podcast.com slash vip get on on that and uh join the discord and all the good things we have going on there bonus episodes etc and until then we will see you hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs Maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 